Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empowering a community through the mission in their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the Anna Podcast and our series on advocacy. I am more than a little geeked out to bring you two women who are not only leaders in their own spheres of heavy influence, but they're launching other leaders through their movement here in the U.S. for advocating for women ed. Women Ed is a global grassroots movement that is in the launch phase here, and I am so excited to bring you the Women Ed U.S. co-founders on this podcast episode. In her day job, Mary Bridget Burns is the assistant director for the Two-Way Immersion Network for Catholic Schools, a national network of bilingual parochial elementary schools. She is the former managing editor for the Journal of Professional Capital and Community. Mary Bridget Burns has taught undergraduates at Boston College's Lint School of Education, at Cisco Junior College in Texas, and at the UHAS Eula Teachers College at the University of Seget. She has also taught elementary school in Texas, along with a classroom time in Florida, Massachusetts, and Ohio. Mary Bridget has published research on bilingual education, American inclusion models, and social studies education. She conducted research on minority education and the training of teachers in Hungary for her master's thesis through a Fulbright grantee to Hungary, where she was also an English instructor at the Teachers College. Mary Bridget's dissertation research is focused on the experience of women teachers in state-controlled school districts. She received her bachelor's degree in English from the Northwestern University, her master's in the arts of teaching from Miami, Miami University of Ohio, and expects to graduate with her doctorate from Boston College in the spring of 2019. Mary Bridget has advocated for women in a number of ways, in addition to serving as a co-founder and co-leader of Women Ed. She is an appointed commissioner for the Worcester County Commission on the Status of Women. Our other guest, Anisha Ismail Patel, is passionate about cultivating global citizenship and makes an impact in the field of education and nurturing youth and women in leadership and service. As the founder and chief education officer of Anovas LLC, Anovas Ed LLC, she has over 23 years of experience as a teacher, professor, and school administrator. A participant of the Harvard Global Education Think Tank, Anisha began her journey attending international schools in Malawi, Africa, where she was fortunate to have a multilingual upbringing. Anisha moved to the U.S. to further her education. Honored as the valedictorian of her graduating class, she was awarded academic merit scholarships, earning a bachelor's in elementary education and a master's in educational organization and leadership from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. In 2017, Anisha ran as a first-time candidate to public office, and she was humbled to receive the highest vote count in her election in the Board of Education in Arlington Heights. She has launched two philanthropic and personal development nonprofit organizations. Currently, Anisha is collaborating to launch Women Ed U.S., and a co-founder is a co-founder of this organization. Additionally, she has served on the Illinois Department of Human Rights Commission, the advisory board of the Global Education Conference, and on the selection team for the Golden Apple Award. She enjoys speaking, writing, and she's been featured in the Atlantic, Huffington Post, Education Post, Pathios, Chicago Tribune, and Daily Herald. Together with her husband and children, she lives in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and I am so honored that both of these guests would join me for an awesome conversation so that we can bring to you the mission of the Women U Ed U.S. Movement and the advocating that they are doing for us all to be 10% braver. 
Welcome, Mary and Anisha, to the In Awe podcast. I am just elated to have you ladies featured on the series on advocacy. Um, Our listeners are just going to learn so much from you today, and I am honored that you would take time out of your insanely busy schedules to share the message in, uh, in your work. So, ladies, would you start out and just help the listeners come to a little bit know you better with the context that you're currently serving in? Yeah, go ahead, Mary. You go first. (laughs) Very good. So hello, everyone. My name is Mary Bridget Burns. And along with my colleague, Anisha, we are part of a a launching team for Women Ed in the United States. This is a grassroots movement to encourage teachers, women mostly, but, you know, we have men who are supportive as well, who are trying to advocate for their students, maybe take on leadership positions of all kinds, uh, board, school board, positions of building leadership, teacher leadership, what have you, trying to be 10% braver. That's our motto, to be 10% braver, to push ourselves to do something we didn't think we can do because the Women Ed movement, Women Ed US, is a network of colleagues who are ready to be supportive, want to listen, give suggestions, and are with you each step of the way, uh, even across the miles, because we really believe in supporting our members. No, exactly. And my name is Anisha Esmal Patel, and it's a just an honor to be on your podcast, Sarah. Thank you for inviting us, and um, it's always such an honor to work with my you know, co-founder Mary and kind of launching at Women at US here, and it has such a global presence in the UK and in in Europe and Canada. And we're excited to bring Women at US here uh, to America and really uh, build on this and cultivate women ed and uh, women leaders in education here. Uh, so it's an exciting time. So ladies, we had we had talked just a little bit in the pre-chat and I was sharing that as a woman in educational leadership here in the United States, I had come across the the women ed, the global movement kind of grassroots formed, especially with Vivian um, in the UK through a connection that I had, uh, a male who just saw my platform and said, you got to get connected. And then I saw that you, you two ladies were launching Women Ed US. So would you share with the listeners just a little bit about how the two of you became connected and maybe what fuels your passion to, to advocate for this mission? That's a good question. You know, I had, uh, like you, Sarah, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about women ed, and I went to the Women's March, the first Women's March in Washington, D.C., um, and when I came back from the Women's March, of course, I went there, uh, women's empowerment organizations not related to education and just philanthropic personal development organizations, and when I, we all wear many hats, right? So after I came back from the Women's March, I went on Twitter and I searched kind of Women's March and education. And uh, uh, my friend, Rebecca Leach, who I didn't know at the time, her uh, picture came up uh, and she had a poster about education advocacy and women and women ed and so forth. And I was like, wow, this is super interesting. So I sent her a message on Twitter. And before I know it, at that time, I was uh, uh, I was hosting education conversations kind of on, on YouTube. And I interviewed Rebecca Leach uh, and was so uh, moved and inspired by this movement. It fell right along with my mission of cultivating women leaders. And so I reached out to Rebecca and, and she asked me to be on the steering team. 
I met Mary and all these amazing women. Uh, and now Mary and I are like sisters chatting in the middle of the night and all the time. And being here. So uh, having the same mission here. So I think what, what it's done for Mary and I and Rebecca and so many other women, I'd like uh, to do the same for for all other women kind of bringing us together and kind of being there for each other to to help us be the best leaders we can be. Exactly. And I just add on to that, that my research interest, I'm a doctoral candidate at Boston College and my defense is actually going to be in April. And so what I've looked at is the experience of women teachers in districts that have been taken over by the state. And so my interest has been growing on this for years now. And I sought out something to advocate for women teachers a couple of years ago. And I stumbled upon what was happening in the UK and they had just sort of contacted uh, Rebecca Leach because she had been in the UK. And so the magic of the internet and Twitter, uh, we were able to connect and connect with some of the founders in the UK. And we just all started talking here in the US and Anisha came on board and we continued our conversations. And we're from all different parts of the US and our our perspectives are formed by that. Um, I've taught in a couple different locations uh, because uh, my husband was active duty military, and so I'm I have that perspective. And um, our members have been in Tennessee and Illinois, and uh, affiliates have been in the West Coast. So we have a really national perspective while being very connected to our local context. Mm. I just, I love hearing you ladies kind of try to give this short version of this really complex network and interconnectedness. And it's exciting because one of the things that I just love so much about your advocacy is that it in, it's inclusive of teachers and promoting leaders in all levels, regardless of title. And I just value that so much um, and really, really value the community focus uh, that you have and that's one of the best parts about being a part of a community is the support. I, I love how Anisha, you said that your friends talking in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, we definitely are. Uh, it's we each between us. We have seven children, <laughs> all different ages, uh, some of the same age. And uh, that is the time that we have. And it's, uh, it's been great to relate to each other on so many levels as advocates and as professionals, as mothers, mm. as former teachers, we have a lot of um, similar perspectives, but then also some really different perspectives. So I think we're strengthened by both of those things. And that's something that our members seem to experience as well during our Twitter chats, that even if they're across the country, or even folks coming from Canada or the UK who want to just join our conversation, they are also finding things that are similar that they can relate to, but then just slightly different. So they are learning from each other. Yes. So when it comes to the, the, you know, the powerful piece of that journey uh, for the women ed, what you kind of reference this with yourself, but for those of us that are interested in kind of joining this community, what is, what's the big thing that women ed will do for us? So I think what I've found uh, is that it's, it's filling a gap in the market. So we have very strong unions and we have grassroots organizations of different kinds. They are really leading the Red for Ed movement, frankly. It's not necessarily uh, the unions directly, but the local organizations. But what is not quite there, in my opinion, is an organization to help women educators in particular mm -hmm. 
who are the majority to connect as as colleagues who are trying to push themselves to do something else. So you have your union, you have your you know, your teachers association, uh, but that is focused on labor relations as it should be. That is their mission. But we are just slightly outside that, that space and we're looking at growing professionally. And that's something that say uh, ASCD and NCTE and all these other organizations haven't quite captured yet mm. that the experience of women educators needs to be acknowledged and uh, we are there to kind of fill that gap. It's something that in Britain, it came from a different place, but, and even in Canada, it's working a little bit differently, but here in the U S my perspective is that we're filling a gap in the professional needs of women educators. So I got to jump in on this cause I'm curious with your advocacy and you mentioned some pretty powerhouse and important um, organizations for the, the education profession. Have you kind of butted up against a, a mentality that this is not needed, that there should not be a separation, women leaders versus just leaders in general? We haven't yet. Uh, in my in my research, um, there's still some uh, question about what does this look like? Okay, so we have we have teacher leaders. Okay, that's great. But why does that matter? And I think what we we need to to train our pre-service teachers who are mostly women uh statistically Mm -hmm. to learn how to advocate for themselves to understand what leadership can mean because we tend to think in this hierarchical titled position is being a leader but there are many ways to lead and we don't train our teachers to think that way we don't think that we don't train them to think of themselves as members of a community and that they have a role Mm -hmm. to play so that's something that I think we need as a community to do more of. And it's not so much pushing back on the idea. It's just haven't thought of it yet. It hasn't really been um, crystallized in people's minds. Like, oh, right, we need to train people to be teacher leaders. We need to give them the tools. Yeah, uh, very much appreciate that and found that working in organizations myself is this idea that we want to distribute our leadership, but we can't distribute it if people aren't um, – understanding what that might look like. So that, I appreciate that perspective. In the U.S., it's actually, in some ways, arguably more polarized than some of our counterparts in the U.K. or Canada. So only in the survey results of the NCES data in 2017 do we see that we have any parity mm-hmm. in school leadership. So we're just starting to get um, about 50% of our building principals to be mm-hmm. women. That's really good. However, uh, most superintendents, about 75 to 85% of superintendents are men, and the majority of teachers are women. Uh, at the elementary level, some study, or excuse me, some surveys are showing it's about 89%. It's about 75% when you get to the upper level grades. And this, of course, varies from place to place, and the numbers I'm sharing are national. Mm-hmm. That trend has actually gotten stronger, according to research um, by Richard Ingersoll from University of Pennsylvania, that more teachers are women. Now, this isn't a problem. It's just a reality. Uh, this can be a really good thing, potentially, uh, but it, it's unusual in the modern job market, even unusual compared to fields that have been traditionally more women-dominated. Teaching is getting to be more so in the United States. Now, the reasons why that might be are, are debated, uh, but 
in my own work, I think it's something that needs to be acknowledged and we need to think about what that means in terms of the workplace policies and practices. Mm. Now, when I'm also citing this, I want to mention that I'm talking about public school and the data on independent, private, parochial, charter, um, that is not usually con included in the national surveys, but the trends seem to be similar. So uh, what I'm talking about is public school, which is the majority of, of schooling in this country. So what this means, we think at Women at US, is that this is something that's a need, possibly, that we need to, to think about who our teachers are, uh, what their needs might be as educators, and what benefits there might be if uh, this is such an unusual labor force compared to other fields. Mm. I like that line of thinking. It's made for some interesting conversations. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize how women-dominant education is in this country. Uh, they kind of know it, but they haven't really thought it through. And it makes for some um, interesting perspectives. And does this mean that we need to recruit differently? Does it mean that we need to make teaching more um, interesting to a wider audience? I think we do, uh, both in terms of gender, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, our kids are coming from all different backgrounds, so our teachers should too, if we can. Right, because we need to have role models from all ranges. I know here in Wisconsin, the perspective of, of teachers has been rough for the last several years. The uh, um, pay is not great. I know that's wide ranging in a lot of different states. And so it makes me wonder what is prompting um, more women versus more men to get into the profession, first of all. And I know that you have that, you know, you reference that data that there's so few when we look at education versus the other um, industries. We know that there's 4.5% of females are in the Fortune 500s. And so if we look at superintendents being the highest level of leadership and our data is 15%, seems right. like it's kind of mirroring that. And I think as a community, educational community, uh, we need to think about that. And, you know, it's interesting, our, our leaders at the teacher union level are women. Um, our secretaries of education at the national level have been mm -hmm. women. But there's a disconnect somehow. And we think at Women Ed, it could be that we aren't giving folks the tools, encouragement, support needed uh, to, to push them forward. I mean, there's research coming from New America Foundation and other scholars indicating that... Women, you know, the second shift, yeah. right? That we are still carrying a heavy load. Um, Bridget Schultz and others have looked into this. So if that's the case, if it's an issue of time and responsibility management, we've got to think what equity actually means. And if equity means not just, um, not just say pay scale, what, is, what are we saying when we, that's a value judgment, right? So we need to, to think as a society, what are we trying to achieve? Who do we need to support and how can we support them? And I think that to do that, and at Women at US, we are, we are saying part of that comes from better communication, sharing ideas, and, and really reaching out to each other to help them find a path. And that conversation should extend to the thought that teachers only work nine months out of the year. We know that's not necessarily accurate mm -hmm. and that, um, teaching is in for most people a year-round position it's just they aren't in the classroom for the summertime uh but that's not the case more and more schools are extending their calendars so 
there's a lot of stuff that's shifting uh, that's making the path forward difficult. And that's where organization like Women Ed can, can fulfill that gap. Sounds wonderful in regard to uh, what you're doing to try to, you know, ha- at least open up the conversations and try to figure out solutions. That's so valuable. And just curious, Anisha, um, what is it that that you're doing to launch and, and what does it look like and what are some of the next steps for launching this movement here in the U.S.? Uh, no, definitely. Uh, like I said, it's a really exciting time and we it's kind of all hands on deck. And as we mobilize all the women educators here in the States, um, we would really like to kind of lean on the expertise of all our members to really get active in different formats. So for instance, we already have signups and folks very interested in being regional leaders across the United States um, and also specific roles as far as like digital media chairs, for instance, like to really sign up and say, okay, what what are your expertise area? How can you help uh, amplify and mobilize women educators in the U.S. and to really contact us at Women at U.S. Uh, via Twitter or reach out to Mary and I and uh, tell us how would you like to get involved and what would you like Women at U.S. to be doing? Because not only are we a digital platform, but we also be an, want to be an in-person platform in the different regional areas. So uh, lots of work to be done and we need lots of people to, to propel this movement. I'm so excited about that. So listeners, uh, we will be sure to link in the show notes ways that you can do that to become involved in this movement for Women Ed US, because I know a dominant number of my listenership are educators, both male and female, that will support the the good work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, ladies, I really want to get to know a little bit about you as individuals and kind of what what fueled you to not only get into your work that you're currently doing, but um, maybe some past parts of you for the journey. So just a standard question that I ask on this podcast, if you could write a letter to your formal, former self at any age or stage, what advice would you give and why? And Mary, do you want to start on that? Sure. Yes. So I... I was thinking about this question and my life professional path has taken all kinds of twists and turns that I never, ever expected. And I would want to tell myself um, what you think is going to happen at 24 will happen for just a little bit. And then you're going to have a lot of great opportunities and leap at them, run at them, take them. It's going to be okay. Um, I was uh I married an Air Force officer at 24 and fully expected to support him. And I did. Uh, we lived in a couple of different places and he did some really great things to serve our country. Uh, but then we had the opportunity really out of the blue, truly out of the blue to, to leave the Air Force because the Air Force was restructuring. And, we, and my goodness, for the first time ever, we get to choose where to go. And that was Amazing. I, I don't know if folks outside the military can relate like that. We didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> so um, we took so many different leaps and we ended up in New England and it's just been really fantastic. And I tell my younger self to to leap at opportunities and it's it's really worth it. Um, I've, I think I'm more confident in doing that now than before, in part because of friendships like with Anisha and other friends that are very encouraging. And that's, I think for me anyway, I need my, my people, my network. Uh, I've got a great family, but it's really good to have friends who are in a similar professional position. Like they get what you're trying to do and 
just to go mm-hmm. for it. That's so true. And thank you for, you know, placing that wisdom in there about um, how you could, you never know what life is going to bring you to jump at it. But also this idea that we do need our, we need community and we're product of who we surround ourselves with. So that's a really valuable note. <laughs> how about you, Anisha? What would you, what would you say if you were able to write a letter? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, along the lines of what Mary said, like it's, it, I would tell my younger 21 year old self far, far away from where I'm right now um, to really to aspire to choose a path that, that will help, you know, her make the most impact right from the start of her college education. Right. So right from the younger years, even as a high schooler, is it to always keep your eyes open and look for those women and those people and those individuals who you want to be like, who you want to aspire to be like and see how they got to that path, right? Because it's possible that door or that position, that role of how we can make an impact is possible for each one of us. Uh, and, you know, and for, for my younger self to really, I don't think, you know, I just spoke to University of Illinois um, college students a couple of weeks ago as an alumni coach and really conveying to them this important piece of networking, right? And networking, we can look at that as uh, just just as, you know, some people look at it as, oh my God, it's so uncomfortable, but really look at it as a way to find those role models, see what they're doing, how are they making an impact and how do we get there? And and truly, uh, we're hard on ourselves, but um, we have so much of an impact that we want to make, but take advantage of every season of your life, right? Whether it be you're a high school student or a college student, you're, you know, the newly married person like Mary was talking about when she first started her journey of motherhood. There's so many seasons that uh, our lives take us, as, and especially as women, we may have more seasons, uh, and to kind of take advantage of every season and make sure that through those seasons, that every st- stage of life is a, a time of substance, making an impact all the while, right? And so sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm a mother, I'm, I'm so busy uh, in this motherhood stage. But I think it, when, if you kind of keep sight of what your vision, your impact area is, you're able to do that through all those stages. Oh, such beautiful advice, because as we're living through those, and I love that you point out the motherhood one, I, I think, especially in those early years, and I, maybe even those first two months where you can't really fit in a shower, um, or at least I couldn't. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It is that that blessing. And I was actually just listening to a, a podcast today that referenced the same exact piece of advice. And it really hit me thinking about no matter where you are and what you're doing, just look around as the, the blessing that you have in front of you to impact. So thank you for, for mentioning that, Anisha, because we can. We can impact our neighbor. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be people that we influence in the workplace. It's it's our lives. So mm-hmm. that's beautiful. <laughs> So how about a piece of your journey that um, since you talk about those seasons, ladies, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the the bios, you ladies have both just really had incredible life careers and you're in the midst of some great work now too in the season that you're in. But what is it that you're most proud of so far and why? What I'm most proud of is really the honor of collaborating and learning from countless inspiring women through through my journey of mobilizing women-led organizations, right? At this point with Women at US, this will be my third women-led initiative um, that that I'm so honored to be pro- uh, you know, part of. And th- throughout all those organizations that I've worked with and all the women, it's just humbling that the, the circle of sisterhood that has left me genuinely inspired and helps me uh, get to a different 
a spot in my own life and just to see the extraordinary collective impact that we've that we've made as women and the people around me and the women around me have made it's it's been a privilege to kind of be part of their journeys and our collective journeys. And I would add to that, Sarah, I agree with you 100% as usual, Anisha. <laughs> um, the one thing that I reflect on personal, but I think others can relate to it too, that my great grandmothers had very little formal education. My grandmothers had little formal education. They were the first to get through some high school. My mother was the first to get through college and graduate school for a master's degree. Now I'm going to be finishing my doctorate. That's not to toot my own horn so much as acknowledge how many women have kept pushing me up mm. and getting me to the next spot. Mm. And that's been my own my own family, but also friends like Anisha and others who are cheering me on and giving me ideas and giving me feedback and holding hands when necessary and pushing me when necessary. That is something that you know, we have these, these images of, of women pulling each other up and pushing each other forward. Because that's what we have to do, because society isn't necessarily set up for what we want mm. to do. We have to build that path ourselves or climb that ladder with each other's help. And for me, being able to work with Anisha and others to create a platform in the U.S. for women to talk to each other so they can continue their journeys, too, mm -hmm. is an honor. And we are we we are truly doing this as volunteers because this matters to us personally, but also we see the long-term benefit for other educators mm -hmm. that perhaps they need to hear this encouragement or they need to run ideas by each other in a safe spot where no one's going to be evaluative or negative that they've got nothing to lose. So yes, I'm happy to hear your ideas. Let me know what you want to do and let me give you some ideas on how to mm -hmm. get there. Uh, that's something it's it's a great honor for me to provide that because it's helping me get to the next spot so I can help the ones behind me come up and go even mm -hmm. farther. And, and I think this uh, this uh, this the this effect of the tribe and even this role model status, right? I I love because uh, as mature women that we're getting to our different stages. I, I love how the role model is so right. I learn so much from folks that are so much younger than I am. Uh, my sister is ten years younger than I am and does phenomenal things. Uh, and so many educators and teachers out there that I'm just like wow, wow. And it's it goes both ways, right? So I always look at I, you know I have role models who are like 10 years younger than I am and role models who are much older than I am. Like I just met uh, a former principal. She's 92, uh, retired principal, and she continues to do phenomenal things. Like I met her for breakfast the other day and she had already been up since 4 a.m. volunteering the soup kitchen. So I just, it's it's just pretty powerful to be surrounded by, um, by role models. Yep. I love that you keep both you ladies just keep weaving through your messages, this kind of um, image of honor, you know, that we, we give to one another and that transcends station and it transcends life season. And if we look at people around us as they are, they all have a message to give us. It's just such a beautiful kind of way of living. And I just, I hope to be able to meet you ladies face to face one day because you're both so inspirational in your messages. It's just awesome. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Sounds good. I like the confidence there. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs> What's one lesson about being an influential woman that might inspire others to keep going if they find themselves kind of in that pit of doubt or fear and, and they just need to hear your voices right now? Uh, Mary, you want to start us out on that one? Is to trust in your own instincts. Uh, even if you're in a situation you haven't faced before and you might be the only one 
around you going a certain way to trust your own instincts. Uh, I was in a situation where there was some major concerns about our building leader and the school board was interviewing everybody and I refused to be interviewed because I was not responsible. And I was the first teacher to say no. And I knew I could be fired, but it, I, I couldn't do it. It wasn't right. And I didn't want to be intimidated. And so luckily the board chair respected that and he didn't mean to cause such chaos or fear, hadn't realized the impact he was having. And through that, I forged a new friendship. Uh, we got through it as a community and everything worked out in the end, but it's, it's okay to trust your instincts. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, but chances are your instincts are there because you're a professional, you're knowledgeable, you're experienced, and you need to believe in yourself. It's easy for me to say this about others on note. It was scary. It was intimidating. And I thought, oh, Lord, what have I done? But I couldn't do it. I couldn't, couldn't do something that felt wrong. So uh, it's, it's okay to, if you're in a situation you're not sure, is to trust yourself. You know more than you think you do. And that's that 10% braver thing. Uh, the 10% braver came from our friends in the UK. And it's really been a very powerful mantra for all of us, I think. Uh, just 10% more and you can get to your next mm. step. I'm going to add on that for, for sure. And I agree wholeheartedly with what with, what Mary is saying. Um, the, the 10% braver thing, and definitely as, you know, when we look at women who are trailblazers, right? When there aren't other women in their position who've, who've done that, um, then you are going to be faced with, with that, that doubt seeping in. But I, I would say never let the doubt seep in and always, yes, be 10% braver. And I think in some examples, I think would be one that you're going to be in situations as when you go into high stake leadership roles that they are going to be conflict situations. And like we were saying, it's easier said than done. These conflict pieces that come up for us as leaders, it's really important uh, not to be conflict averse or to, to turn away. It's so, so much easier to be like, I am just not going to deal with that. I'm just going to put that away. I'm not even going to deal with it. But that avoidance makes things worse, right? And we really, as women leaders, have to get 10% braver to speak up if we have, if we're not happy with some how something is going. Um, it is important. It's so easy to just be quiet, but we have to speak up and we have to kind of kind of look at that. Uh, kind of almost, if you have to go into a conflict situation, you just do. You have to. There are differences in opinion, and you're. It's okay for you to state your case, uh, but always keep the avenues of face-to-face communication open and uh, listen to understand and reflect and respond. But the more you keep talking, those collab- you can maintain those collaborative relationships and always kind of keep your mission of your work in mind. Mm. Great pieces of wisdom um, that really spans for our listeners who are both in and out of education, uh, because we all need that. You know, we all need to be just a little braver and a little more willing to get into those tough spaces and kind of rumble through conflict. So thank you, ladies, for that. So we're to the point of the podcast where I'm going to need to get some awe-inspiring recommendations from you. That is there a, a book that you would recommend uh, for our listeners to pick up? I really, really like, I mean, there's so many, but The Children in Room E4 was gifted to me uh, by a sister-in-law who's also an educator about 10 years ago. But it's it's a deep dive into the classroom, but also the school that it's in and the district that it's in and the neighborhood. 
and the city that it's in and the state that it's in. And it, it's, it just appealed to me on so many levels. Um, and those children, the children that show up in our classrooms or the schools that we send our own children to, our nieces and nephews to, they are part of this bigger picture. And Susan Eaton did a fantastic job of exploring this and what it means for education. And I really encourage folks to check it out and to think about what that means in their own community. She does a really deep dive into real estate policies and funding of schools and curriculum and who gets hired. And it's just fascinating and so important. Wonderful. How about you, Anisha? So, you know, I've been thinking a lot just as I mentor uh, younger um, students and high school students, college students, and really just thinking about what a different time it is in this social media time to grow up in this time period. I, I also grew up in Africa, right? So when I grew up in Malawi in the long way, I grew up in a very community centered um, where everybody was kind of part of my life. And it really this saying of it takes a village to raise a child. I grew up in a village, right? In a sense. So I've been reading Girls on the Edge by Dr. Leonard Sachs and just really kind of exploring this. What is the, the challenges that our younger girls kind of face in uh, social isolation and the challenges that they're facing um, as far as, you know, how how they're navigating life sometimes because um, in the States also the the community, the, there is kind of a breakdown in community and this sense of isolation. So how do we help build uh, these villages for, for these younger children who are growing up and these girls who are growing up? So um, it, it's been an interesting read, not only for the folks that I mentor, but for my own three daughters that I'm, I'm trying to cultivate as confident women. I'm so excited to read both of those. Um, and I really love that topic. Uh, well, both topics as well, but the idea of that social iso- isolation, we just have this myth that um, sure, social media does connect us, but it also has been working to disconnect us as well. And so it sounds like that's going to be kind of one of the themes in there. I can't wait to, to check that out. And I will be sure to link both of those in the show notes for our listeners. The other thing I'm going to do is um, because we're running short on time, I'm going to link uh, the recommendations from these ladies for podcast, as well as um, the way to follow on social media, which will all be tied to the women ed and the women ed movement. I'll make sure to get a nice robust list there. Um, But also ladies, one more, one more thing, because you're being featured on the series on advocacy. And I know you ladies have just such a beautiful breadth and and depth of work that you've done in your lifetime. But is there a, a cause that you would like to share with the listeners, even maybe above and beyond this, this women ed, there's so many different passion areas that, that we're surrounded with. And I think as a first generation college student, I really, and also being a global, you know, being an immigrant in this country and being new to the States, I've I've really been drawn to how do we cultivate global citizens here in our schools in America and help them be empathetic students and um, have cultural awareness and be be aware of um, even different linguistic backgrounds and so forth. But as and as as educators, when we're looking at our classrooms, our classroom demographics, even in the suburbs of Chicago, where I live, even the last five years, our classroom demographics look so different. And how do we as educators meet the needs of every child, no matter what, where they're coming from, what linguistic background, what cultural background, because our demographics are changing. So empathy development uh, and really 
this uh, on a mission to cultivate strong women leaders to take the charge to develop 21st century global citizens right here in the States and globally. Is that Empatico? Uh, is that yeah, an organization yeah. to, to link to for the listeners to follow that a little bit more? Um, because it seems like it's tied pretty well to to what you're doing with Women at US as well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's an organization that um, I support and I'm consulting for. And I know Mary's been following it too, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Wonderful. Well, ladies, I wish that we had so much more time. Um, this is the first podcast I've done with two, and you're both such a deep well of wisdom and um, advocacy that I think we could probably have separated your um, podcast interviews, but I'm so thankful that you came together because it feels like it's perfect. You're such a team. You're building the community. I'm so excited to engage more with the community and for my listeners to do the same. So I just wanted to thank you both so much for giving this incredibly awe-inspiring interview for our listeners today. Thank you, Sarah, for the opportunity. Absolutely. Listeners, be sure to head on over to the show notes so that you can follow these ladies, get connected with them, get connected with the Women at U.S. movement, and um, just learn more and become a part of the solutions that they're creating for all of us in the United States. The amazing Malala Yousafzai says that one voice can be heard in a silent world. It would be amazing if you could help this voice from the In Awe podcast today reach masses. Subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, share the episode with your friends. I am so thankful that you joined us today, and I am honored that you would consider raising these wonderful women up and their messages to help them land where they need to. Thank you for joining this awe-inspiring community.